Uh, last Sunday here at uh, the Coy, was, the focus was on the children. It was the YP um, annual. But in the church at large, uh, last Sunday was actually uh, Transfiguration Sunday, which recalls that uh, time, that incident, that encounter, uh, when Jesus went up the mountain and his whole countenance was transfigured. Um, the, the gospel writers say that he was so transformed that his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And Jesus was up this mountain together with three of his disciples, Peter, James and John, who uh, must have been absolutely flabbergasted uh, to see Jesus, uh, a human being in a sense, now seeing him in a divine way full of the light and full of the glory of God. And to see for a moment something of heaven uh, connect with earth. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning, about this, this whole subject of glory. It's something which is something of a heavenly thing rather than an earthly thing. And yet something which the Bible talks about and something perhaps we might need to consider. Of course, on top of that mountain as well, in addition to Jesus and Peter, James and John, there were two Old Testament characters we may remember. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. And it's interesting that Jesus is joined by these two, two um, Old Testament characters. Um, Elijah, you may remember, didn't have a funeral not because he couldn't afford it or anything, but uh, there wasn't time for the funeral. Because whilst he was walking and talking with his disciple Elisha, scripture records that Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And so here Elijah, who having received that transition into heaven, was now having the witness of another transformation story, a kind of transfiguration this time of Jesus. But again, another heaven and earth coming together. And this was not a new experience for Moses either, because we read in the Old Testament that Moses also had his mount of transfiguration experience. His mountain, of course, was Mount Sinai. And you may, may remember that Moses went up the mountain to receive the two tablets. So with the two tablets of stone, he received on them, of course, the Ten Commandments. We are told that the Ten Commandments up on top of that mountain were written by the finger of God. The Ten Commandments are the only part of the Bible that God writes with his own hand. We tend to think that laser technology is something new, but actually it's there in the Old Testament. Whilst Moses was up there, suddenly bzzz, the Ten Commandments were inscribed on these two tablets of stone. But you may remember that Moses came down from the mountain, and what he found there were, were the Israelites all worshipping an idol. They melted down their rings and their jewellery, and with the gold they created a golden calf and worshipped this idol. And Moses was so so annoyed and so disappointed and, and so wound up with what he saw, he, he smashed the two tablets of stone. I wonder whether he thought what he was doing. Well, poor old Moses, he had to go back up that mountain. The, the Bible doesn't record, but I think it goes something like this. Moses goes up the mountain and says, God, you don't happen to have a photocopy of those, do you? Can you imagine poor old Moses having to go back? Well, God gave him another set of the Ten Commandments. But whilst he was up on that mountain, 
Moses also was transfigured. The Bible says that his whole face was so full of the glory of God that when he came down the mountain, he had to put a veil over his face because the Israelites were so shocked and alarmed by what they saw. They could see that Moses, an earthly human being, had been in touch with heaven. And in that moment, heaven and earth had collided. The Lord replied uh, to Moses up on the mountain when Moses asked him uh, about his glory and his presence going with him. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless, unless you go with us? The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I do know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God did show Moses glory. And in the next chapter, Exodus 34, we read that um, when Moses came down, this, his face was so radiant that every time a, you know, he, he had to put this fail over. Every time he went into the presence of the Lord, and as Moses repeatedly met with God, Moses had to veil his face because he was radiating the glory of the Lord. It's what was, has since been termed the Shekinah, glory of God. The word Shekinah is nowhere in the Bible. It, it is a Hebrew word. And it's a transliteration of a Hebrew noun meaning the dwelling and settling place of God. The dwelling and settling place of God, Shekinah, the glory of the Lord. And this is what Moses experienced on Mount Sinai. It's what Jesus and the three disciples were, were experiencing on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Shekinah glory of God, the very presence of God, the very connection of God with heaven and, and earth, and the very Shekinah glory of the Lord coming on earth. And this morning, for a few moments, I just want to talk about, about glory. What is it? We sing quite a bit about it, don't we? In fact, some of the songs are quite misleading because it tells us to think that glory is just something that we can look forward to after we've died. You know, we sing, I'm a soldier bound for glory, I'm a soldier going home, or, oh, I'm climbing up those golden stairs to glory. And songs like that get us to believe that glory is nothing that we need to worry about just yet. But one day we'll go to heaven and we'll know everything there is about glory. But actually, as we've already seen, the Bible does tell us that actually it's possible for glory, the Shekinah glory of God, to come to earth as well. It is possible for God's glory to be revealed even here on earth. And not just in the odd isolated instance, neither. Look at this verse from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea, recognize the song. The prophet tells us that the glory of the Lord will be spread around the earth just as the waters cover the sea. That's a lot of knowledge, isn't it? That's a lot of glory. And that's how much God wants us to have the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just as much as the waters cover the earth. Look at Isaiah chapter 60 in the first two verses. 
Arise, shine, says the prophet, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. What a tremendous prophet that is, of course, particularly prophesying the time when he who comes from heaven, Jesus, to earth, will bring that glory, the glory of the Lord. But there's a question that needs to be asked here, isn't it? Isn't there? Is this a reality that we can look forward to? Is the glory of the Lord that's something that we can experience? Can we see the glory of the Lord falling upon us today? We sing about it, we read about it, we know it's there somewhere, we know we, we've got it all to look forward to when we go to heaven, but can it be an experience for you and me today? Or is it just reserved for the likes of Moses and Elijah and the holy Joes and Marys of this world? Is it for me? And, and if so, when does it happen? Well, in answer to that question, what we do know is that the glory of God is actually not of this world. It is a heavenly experience rather than an earthly one. It can, can only be experienced seemingly when there's that collision between heaven and earth. We certainly know we are meant to experience the Shekinah glory of God, but it seems to be when that, that there's that kind of connection with a heavenly dynamo. And of course, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've thought about that recently in one of our meetings, that what is in heaven can actually be done on earth. So why can that not apply to the glory of the Lord, of course, as well? And if we want to ask the question, how how close is that kingdom? Well, Jesus says, of course, elsewhere, that the, the kingdom is at hand. So if you put out your hand, that's, that's where the kingdom is. It's not, we've, we've thought about this in a recent meeting as well. Where is heaven? Where is the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus says it's at hand. That's how near it is. Have you noticed um, how often glory is mentioned in the Christmas story? In, uh, in one of his songs, actually, Graham Kendricks writes, From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world, your glory veiled. Now, I have to say, I don't think Graham Kenrick's got it completely right here, because I don't think actually God's glory was veiled when the heavenly babe came to earth. Of course, what I think Graham Kenrick's has tried to convey here, that Jesus came from being the Prince of Peace, sitting alongside God, giving up the heavenly place to be a servant amongst us, to be a human baby. But certainly it is not correct to say that God's glory was veiled. You try telling that to the shepherds in that Bethlehem field. When Jesus came, that connection was made between earth and heaven and the glory of the Lord could be seen everywhere. I mean, think of some of the carols we sing. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And of course, thinking about the shepherds, while shepherds washed Watch the flocks by night all seated on the ground. The angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Now I just managed to say the right words. Not the ones I learned at school. And you obviously learned it as well. <laughs> but Christmas is all about that, isn't it? 
all about heaven and earth coming together meet together that collision between heaven and earth when glory shone around when the shekinah glory of the lord and we just get a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like and we say god oh lord give us a bit of that please so if it's god's will that what is in heaven shall be done on earth then when should we see it shall we at least see it on some occasion should we have a glimpse of the glory of god But we don't just see the awesome presence of God in the Christmas narratives. Let's go back to Genesis even. Genesis chapter 28. We have a lovely story there about Jacob. Remember when Jacob um, fell asleep and had a dream in a place called Bethel. And in this dream he saw this staircase going from earth to heaven. Remember, I'm climbing up those golden stairs to glory. This is the dream that Jacob had from earth to heaven. And he saw the angels going up and down this stairway. And do you know when Jacob woke up from his dream? Do you remember the words that Jacob said? Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. Jacob suddenly saw a piece of heaven here on earth. Suddenly the Shekinah glory of the Lord was seen. And I wonder whether there are times when you and I stumble upon the glory of God. And we did know that God was in this place. Even Jacob in ancient times, even before Jesus came, even before the Holy Spirit came, even before we knew anything about the glory of God, even before there's a, a developed theology about the glory of the Lord, Jacob unmistakably was in the presence and settling place of God, the Shekinah glory of the Lord. God was in that place. But let us come more up to date. And I just want to finally, in these final moments of this message this morning, just ask two questions this morning, if I may. First of all, it's this. Is it possible for our core here, for our church, to experience the Shekinah glory of the Lord? And secondly, do you mind if I get personal? Is it possible for you and for me to experience the glory of God? And if so, will we actually recognize it? when it comes so let me start with that first question then can the glory of the lord come to our church can the glory of the lord come upon a people of the lord this morning if the glory of the lord came down on us this morning would we know about it perhaps we do last time i was here two weeks ago and our mercy was was lined with people seeking the lord did we recognize the shekinah glory of the lord did we see this as a settling place of the lord the very presence of god coming in our midst a thousand years before jesus came when solomon built his beautiful temple and they dedicated not the tomb books but dedicated on that case the temple to the lord this is what we read in two chronicles fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the lord filled the temple The glory of the Lord filled the place and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. And I just wonder what that looks like. What that looked like for Solomon and all those people just then when when the priest even could not enter because the glory, the settling place of the Lord had come upon them. Oh, how I pray for a church like that. How I pray that members of this corps will come to a meeting on a Sunday, not because they feel they need to, but because they dare not stay away, 
because they don't want to miss the glory of the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if a regular occurrence would be that we each recognize the glory of the Lord coming into, into our church here? Actually, forget a thousand years before Jesus, 500 years before Jesus, Solomon's temple had uh, some 70 years before that been destroyed uh, by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. When the Jews came back out of Babylon and back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, the Israelites were not happy, the Jews were not pleased, because the new temple was just like a wooden hut compared with Solomon's glorious, wonderful, magnificent temple. And they moaned and groaned at what they saw but you know a message came through a prophet at the time the prophet Haggai and this was the 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 message that came the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former and the prophet was saying this house may not look much but Jesus one day the Messiah will one day come into this very temple and preach the word of the Lord the glory of the Lord will come in this place God God saw beyond the bricks and mortar. He saw beyond the visible temple. He saw beyond the ordinary appearances of this world and saw the glory, the Shekinah glory of the Lord. Coming more up to date, it's interesting to read of the early years of the Salvation Army. It's quite a dismal picture, really. It started, of course, in the east end of London. It was not a, a nice, happy, bright place. I think it was all painted in black and white as I sort of read those early stories of people literally being brought out of the gutters, out of the pubs, and being brought into the Salvation Army, being fed, being given employment, but also getting saved. And, you know, as you read those old stories of the early days of the Salvation Army, in the midst of that doom and gloom and that darkness and the depravity of Victorian East End of London, the glory of the Lord was coming upon those people. The Shekinah glory of the Lord was saving people. These people were coming out of, out of a, 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 a life of loneliness and, and depravity and coming and finding the Lord. And the stories that are told that we can read today talk about the glory of the Lord. In fact, when the two Johns, John Garrens and John Lawson, actually decided to do a musical about it, what did they call it? They called it Glory. Because that actually sums up about the early days of the Salvation Army. And in fact, I think Ivan gives us a, a note, G, we could all probably sing the song that's on the screen, couldn't we? When the glory gets into your soul, my brother, when the glory gets into your soul, my friend, then you'll shout the praises of your heavenly Father when the glory gets. And some might even know the actions. <laughs> when the glory, glory, when the glory, glory, when the glory gets into your soul, then you'll shout the praises of your heavenly Father when the glory and the glory did come upon the early day salvation army lives were changed the veil of poverty was removed and the shekinah glory of the lord shone on this new movement that's why they often sang hallelujah send the glory hallelujah amen it was not just a song that they sung it was a, a reality that they enjoyed hallelujah send the glory revive us 
again. And maybe that should be the prayer for current salvationists and friends and adherents. That God would send his glory upon this present day salvation army. You know, without it, we're nothing. With it, we certainly will be fit for mission. When the glory of the Lord comes upon us. Manchester United lost yesterday. Now I have got your attention. <laughs> they, got, they were defeated by Sunderland. No, there's no Sunderland supporters in the meeting this morning. But I, I saw a match of the day last night. The under-pressure manager, uh, Louis van Gaal, he said after the match, we could do with some heaven and hallelujahs. Did you hear that? We could do with some heaven and hallelujahs. I have no idea what his background is. But I, well, first of all, I think Manchester United need more than a few heaven and hallelujahs, if you don't mind me saying, David. Um, But when I saw that, I thought, actually, it's a great prayer for us, isn't it? We could do with a few more heaven and hallelujahs. You know, when those early days salvationists sang the song, they weren't kidding. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. It was an experience that they enjoyed and an experience that we can continue and enjoy today, which leads up to me on my very second and final quick point, which is this, that the Bible also has an answer to the question, can we personally experience the Shekinah glory of God? Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Dawn read those words earlier. It talks about it talks about the old covenant and the new covenant, you know, before Jesus and now since Jesus. He, uh, Paul refers to Moses, uh, who received the law. And he talks about Jesus, who brought the life and who brought the spirit. Paul talks about Moses, how he needed to put a veil over his face because his face illuminated the glory of God. But then he uses that same metaphor to say that the minds and the hearts of the Israelites were veiled, were covered. They couldn't see God. They, they, they couldn't think about God. But now in this new covenant, Jesus has come and removed the veil. And the believer can access Jesus. And that is the prelude for Paul making this pronouncement in the 18th verse. And all of us, now please note, dear friends, all of us, not just Joe and Mary, all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as through a reflected in a mirror, can see the glory, Shekinah glory of the Lord. Because we are all being transformed into, into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. All of us, each one of us, each one of us can have our transfiguration moments. Each one of us can be, can, can be transfigured and in a sense being transformed by the energy of God's Holy Spirit. And please note there, from one degree to another, from one degree to another, to use a musical metaphor, a semitone at a time, we can know the glory of the Lord. Or to use the words of Charles Wesley, change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before you, we lost in wonder, love and praise. And Paul goes on to say in the next chapter in 2 Corinthians, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
This is a personal message to you and to me. And we can have that if we seek the presence of the Lord, if we walk daily with him, if we spend time in him, if we behold his face, if we want to do his will, if we worship him, if we give him all the, all, all the authority and the honor that belongs to him, we can bring glory and we can be part of that. Our prayer this morning can be summed up in another song of Graham Kendricks, which this time I believe he does get right. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness, ever changing from glory to glory. You see the semitones again? Ever changing from glory to glory, mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. Shine on me, shine on me. And when we are in harmony with God and we, when we're seeking his presence, we will be transformed even bit by bit, degree by degree, and we will see the glory of the Lord. When you and I, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his way, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all, each one of us, and with all who will trust and obey. Dear friends, I pray that that might be our experience. I pray that together we might experience the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And that the glory of the Lord will continue to visit us and to, and to please us. And, to make, and for God to make his settling place amongst us. I pray that will be an experience for each one of us.